This is Brother Michael A. Smith, a voice for Freemasonry, bringing to you the Short Talk Bulletin, published by the Masonic Service Association of North America every month since 1923. This, the Short Talk Bulletin podcast, is produced in cooperation with the MSA and is made possible with the generous support of a grant from the Grand Lodge AFNAM of Minnesota. Volume 36, Number 4, from April of 1958. Masonic Sentry Author Unknown The Tyler is the admitting officer, charged with allowing only Masons known to him as being brethren in good standing to enter the lodge room, while the lodge is at labor or refreshment. The sentry of the lodge is the member of the investigating committee, appointed by the master, to interview a petitioner and learn the facts necessary to decide whether or not he is fitted by character, occupation, and reputation to be a member of the ancient order in general, and the lodge to which he has applied in particular. Every lodge member has had, or should have, the opportunity to act as a sentry to his lodge. As the sentry of a military post must make sure that no enemies, spies, or unauthorized persons enter it, so the Masonic sentry must make sure that no man not fitted for the teachings and blessings of Freemasonry pass through the West Gate to initiation. This is no easy task, nor one to be approached without some prior thought. To assist those to whom the experience is new, here are some suggestions which may be helpful. Religion No atheist can be made a Mason. It is, therefore, essential that the petitioner declares his belief in a supreme being. If the petition he has signed asking for the degrees includes the question, Do you believe in God? and the answer is in the affirmative, the committee members, of course, need not ask it again. But it is wise to ascertain what the petitioner's religious belief may be. Freemasonry is not concerned with the church to which a man may belong, or even if he belongs to any, or the faith he may profess, except that there are some churches which frown upon their members becoming Freemasons. A petitioner may not know this. If, for instance, a petitioner is a member of the Roman Catholic Church, he should be instructed that his church does not permit him to apply for the Masonic degrees, and that he cannot, at the same time, be a good Mason and a good Catholic. The discussion of religious matters, like political beliefs, is strictly forbidden in Masonic lodges, and no religious tests are applied to any petitioner. He may or may not have a church membership. He may or may not have a religious attitude of mind. He may be an agnostic, not able to decide to his own satisfaction as to just what he believes. These matters are not the concern of the committee. Its only interest in the petitioner's religious convictions, or lack of them, is that he does have faith in a supreme being, and that, if he is a member of a church, or a believer in the faith which forbids or frowns upon Masonic membership, he is fully instructed as to those facts. Education Freemasonry makes no educational test to determine fitness for membership. 
Some Grand Lodges demand that their petitioners must be able to read and write English. Others are silent on the subject. Few committees would consider making a favorable report on a man who could not read or write. But it is not required that a petitioner be a public or private school graduate or have gone to college. Conscientious committee members will hesitate to make a favorable report on a man obviously of low intelligence and small education, as much for his sake as for that of the lodge. All candidates must learn a certain amount of ritual. All candidates who are to become interested lodge members must have enough background to appreciate and understand something of the history, principles, and spirit of Freemasonry. This requirement, intelligence and a sufficient education to understand Freemasonry's aims and ideals, is difficult to phrase. Perhaps the easiest way to reach a decision in this matter is for the committee man to ask himself, is this the kind of man I will enjoy sitting next to in Lodge? Will he enjoy talking with me about our common interests? Physique Originally, only the practically perfect man, perfect as to his body, could apply for the degrees. In these more enlightened days, more and more Grand Lodges have relaxed the insistence on the doctrine of the perfect youth. The committee member should satisfy himself as to a petitioner's physical state and note any lack of members and so report to his lodge. Motives What is the motive which led to application? This is of real importance. It's not easily possible to make a good mason and lodge member of the man who wishes to join because of his belief that it will help me in my business, or because of the sick and death benefits I or my family may receive. Many men have erroneous ideas as to the function of the fraternity in their lives. If a selfish, financial, or other improper motive is the cause of a petition, the committee member will want to know it. Did the petitioner conceive for himself the thought that he should be a mason? Or was it suggested to him by another? What was the final impulse which led him to ask a friend for a petition? Why did he pick this lodge rather than another? This does not apply to areas having concurrent jurisdiction. Has he any Masonic relatives? These and similar questions should be asked, as the replies are often illuminating as to the ideas a petitioner has of Freemasonry. Especially should committee members dig deeply into the motives which prompt an application from an elderly man. Many men of advancing age have had to postpone application to the fraternity for financial reasons. Others may become advised only in their advanced years of what membership may mean. But occasionally, an older man, not too well off, will think that Freemasonry, in those grand lodges which maintain Masonic homes, may be a good investment. Men who want to become members that, at a later date, they may become guests in a Masonic home, are obviously poor material for a lodge. Character What sort of man is he? No standards of manhood are phrased by the fraternity, and character cannot be defined by rules. 
But a man's reputation is not difficult to ascertain, and the reputation he has should be of vital importance to the investigating committee. Some committees, especially in the larger centers, employ the services of a credit bureau to learn whether a petitioner has a good record as to credit. Obviously, a man badly in debt, who is known as a poor pay, is not to be considered in the same class of petitioners as those whose reputation is for financial responsibility. Nothing in the preceding paragraph should be construed that the amount of a man's savings or wealth is a factor in deciding upon a petitioner's fitness for lodge membership. The rich banker or business executive may be no better lodge material than the least well-paid of his employees. It is not the size of a man's estate which should be considered, but how he manages what he has and or earns. A petitioner's associates in business and his employer can often give interesting sidelights upon his character. The reputation a man has among his neighbors and fellow workers may be as important as that which he sustains in the community at large. Personality This matter of character goes deeper than the fundamentals of honesty, integrity, church affiliation, and education. A man may be wholly honest, go to church, pay his bills, support his family, and still be a disagreeable, unhappy, and cross-grained individual who would be a disturbing factor rather than an asset in lodge life. Committee men should make a special effort to evaluate a man's personality as well as his character. It is easily understood that this is not a task to be done by a mere interview. Naturally, a petitioner puts his best foot forward when he meets with a lodge committee. Ascertaining character and personality are aided by such contacts, but must be completed by learning from others what manner of man is this. Politics The political beliefs of an applicant are of no importance to the lodge to which he applies, except he be a communist. Communism is a political party only in name. Freemasonry wants no one in its ranks who is desirous of seeing this nation in the hands of a dictator. Therefore, the committee should make sure that any petitioner is patriotic and American in his politics. The wife The attitude of an applicant's wife is important. It's wise to interview an applicant in the presence of his wife, if only to make sure that she understands, as he must be sure to understand, that Freemasonry is not a death benefit or sickness relief association, as are many fraternal organizations. Finance The financial position of the applicant should be ascertained. Can he afford the fees? Can he afford the dues? Here again, the presence of the wife at an interview is suggested as wise. Masonry is injured, not aided, by members whose income and outgo are so nearly balanced that lodge dues become a hardship. Business The business or profession of an applicant may be important to his lodge. His business history is distinctly the business of an investigating committee. A drifter 
who goes from job to job, never holding any for very long, is much more apt to become a charge upon the lodge than a man with a definite role to play in the commercial life of his habitat. Similarly, a man's ambitions are good indications as to his desirability as a lodge member. The man who drives a taxi today seeks a job as a day laborer tomorrow and the next day wants to be employed as a clerk may be good lodge material, but it is among the ranks of the unanchored that many of the dropped for non-payment of dues are to be found. Liquor in many grand lodges, applications may not be received from those engaged, either immediately or remotely, in selling liquor. Petitions from those who have no known or ascertainable sources of income should be looked at with severe scrutiny. Affiliates Brethren who change their residence from one state or one town to another and desire to demit and rejoin require some correspondence. A committee man on such a petition will correspond with the secretary of the lodge issuing the demit, or certificate of transfer, to make sure that, since the issue of such documents, no objections to his reaffiliation have arisen. Petition Some grand lodges require that a petition be in the handwriting of the petitioner. In jurisdictions which do not have this rule, it may well be wise to go over a petition with the petitioner to make sure that he has thorough understanding of what has been stated therein. It has happened that in filling out a petition, a friend has made a misstatement. Errors in a petition may be causes of great embarrassment. He is a wise committee man who makes certain the petitioner knows exactly what the answers are in the petition he has signed. Other Organizations The membership of a petitioner in other organizations may or may not be of importance. If he has been a joiner and has held or now holds membership in several fraternal orders, Communication with the secretaries of such bodies may be advisable. The man who pays his dues promptly in half a dozen clubs, societies, or orders will probably also pay his Masonic Lodge dues. The man hard to collect from by the secretary of orders A, B, and C will be equally lax in paying Lodge dues. Fairness The member of an investigating committee should, of course, be as impersonal and objective as fairness demands. He must be fair to the petitioner and fair to his lodge, but he also must be fair to himself. A lodge is any brother's fraternal home, to which he has no obligation to permit or invite one whose personality is disagreeable or antagonistic to his own. Such considerations are particularly to be thought of in the small, one to a town lodge. Friends and enemies. These are potent factors in any investigation. The petitioner with many friends, with neighbors who are willing to say a word about him, is easy to investigate. But a man who has few friends to whom he can refer is not necessarily to be considered poor material. John Smith has lived in the town for only a year. 
He is of a reserved and shy nature. He may have made but few intimates able to speak for him. If a committee man can discover any who do not like the petitioner, this may prove a valuable lead. A friend will be cautious in speaking of his friend's faults. One who dislikes him will not. But because Mr. A dislikes Mr. B and says so and is willing to say why, it does not follow that Mr. B is necessarily poor material. If Mr. A says, for instance, that Mr. B is a deadbeat and never pays his bills, a further investigation may prove Mr. A's information entirely in error. In general, in considering either the evaluation of friends or of enemies, dig further. The Lodge wants a positive, not a negative, report. It is not sufficient that nothing detrimental to a petitioner can be discovered. It is the presence of positive virtues of character, personality, and manhood which make good lodge material. Honor An investigating committee membership is an honor offered by the master of a lodge. He says, in effect, I believe you to be a conscientious mason who can be trusted with the character and reputation of your lodge. Those members of committees who accept their labors and perform them with this in mind, and who follow in part, if not in whole, the suggestions here laid down, may think of themselves as workmen in the quarries who have done good work, true work, square work, of the utmost importance to masonry and to their lodge. This is Brother Michael A. Smith, a voice for Freemasonry. And this has been the Short Talk Bulletin Podcast, produced in cooperation with the Masonic Service Association of North America for the purpose of providing a common stock of vetted Masonic information to all of the constituent lodges of all of the member jurisdictions, and is made possible through a generous grant from the Grand Lodge AFNAM of Minnesota, who have been engaging and inspiring good men who believe in a supreme being to live according to the Masonic tenets of brotherly love, relief, and truth since 1853.